This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Dave Grosby joining us at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Steve in Skyway. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Great. Hey, first-time caller. I wanted to say, first off, I always appreciated uh, your uh, access and insights. Thank you. I wanted to ask you a few things. Um, first of all, not a Bears fan, but um, if people want to have fun this morning, YouTube Neil Anderson, the running back for the Bears yeah. back in the 90s. Great player, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that if the Bears, finally, if they think they got the quarterback in Justin Fields, they need to get a running back like Neil Anderson was. And who in your mind is a, a comp right now to Neil Anderson? Hmm. Good question. Uh, <sighs> I thought of Le'Veon Bell, but their running style, Le'Veon was a little bit mm-hmm, more patient mm-hmm. than, than Neil Anderson. Neil Anderson just took the ball and... Well, I mean, what, I mean Matt, would it be Matt Forte? Would there be... Yeah, yeah. Okay, another Bear. And what I liked about the Bears back then was the creative way they used to get the ball to their running back. Mm-hmm. Neil Anderson was a great wide receiver, and the angles they created, giving him the ball, really helped their running game. Uh, the second thing I'd like to ask you about, I'm looking at old war horses like Andrew Whitworth and you got Dwayne Brown, and then it made me think back to... Uh, a few years back to Eric Williams, the defensive tackle from Minnesota that came over to the Seahawks. Yeah. You being a Hall of Fame voter, those guys, they put up, you know, they might play 12 years and get six, six, seven Pro Bowls. How much, like poor Eric Williams, how much would that have changed if we had won that Super Bowl that year? Mm, it might have helped a little bit, but not. it was going to change the whole equation because, again, you have to play. I mean, again, the Pro Bowls play into it. But sometimes you know you get Pro Bowls on reputation as opposed to you know, the performance on the field. Right. And so it's a matter. It's like okay, yeah. It's you can talk about Pro Bowls, but it's like okay, do you rank among the top five uh, tackles or whatever it is? That I think plays into it more than anything else. Okay. And then finally, the last thing I wanted to ask is just uh, in regard to kind of the economics of the NFL. Is there anyone in those corporate offices or in the ownership groups that have a tendency to want to put a check on some of this, you know, expansion to Europe, uh, the 17-game schedule with only one bye, the fact that they keep they keep incrementally raising the salary cap, whereas, John, if they just went, say they just went, say, 65 players, $250 million salary cap, wouldn't that solve a lot of problems? No. Well, because again, it's—I mean, it would solve a lot of problems for the coaches, but again, for the owners, that they wouldn't make as much money. Simple as that. I mean, you know, obviously, if you're going to be an owner, you want to try to get the most money, and one of the reasons for the salary cap is, is that uh, you know, you 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 get uh, you know, fifty-one point five percent of the revenue, and you do what you can with it. Because again, the they it's forty-eight five for the players. It used to be what fifty-seven or so, fifty-nine at one point. But again, it's like uh, no, they, they won't do that because again, they would start. Being, remember, it's like it, it, you say the salary cap goes up every year. It went down this year. It went right. down eight percent to one eighty-two five because of the pandemic last year. But aren't they aren't they messing with the quality of the product on the field with the limitation on the players? No, the I number mean, of players. No, no, it's like I mean the the quality is. You know, it's still good. 
What, what's 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 problem? What's the problem right now with the quality of football on the field? Well, I mean, okay, like for example, every every on this radio station in particular, every every day they're wringing their hands about the offensive lineman or yeah. defense defensive backfield. That, do you think that the depth of talent out there is enough that you could have a sixty-five man roster? Mm, I mean, basically, uh, you know, they have a uh, 50, sixty-nine man roster in the sense that uh, they've got sixteen practice squad players. Yeah, 53-man roster and 16 practice squad players. What percentage and, of practice squad players do you think could could actually play on Sundays? I mean, at least I mean a bunch of them because again they're called up every week. So it's like uh, you know you get six veterans that you can have on the practice squad, and then you have ten young guys that you have on the practice squad, and you know they're calling up everybody every week. Okay, and then the last thing, um, you know, in the world there's. There's all kinds. There's all kinds of music, but there's only there's really only two good types of music, and you recognize that you're doing R and B and funk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I mean, again, it's like a, certainly like heavy metal, but uh, you know, R and B and funk is just the best. I, I Timeless, love it. man. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed talking to you this morning. I'll call in the future. Okay, Steve. Thank you so much. All right. Bye bye. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Let's go to Joy in Orondo. Hey, Joy. Hi, John. Thank you for taking my call. I was just wondering the about who and how do they decide on which play, Seahawks players they're going to interview, like, say, on um, Dave Wyman's show or Stacy's mm. show. How do they decide that? I mean, it's pretty much, you know, the avail- availability of the player as far as, uh, you know, who who's available and who can talk and all that stuff. I mean, you can put in a request for certain people and they'll be able to do that. And then, uh, you know, you just wait and see because, again, some players are tied up in meetings and all that stuff. But, again, it's like a, it's kind of a smorgasbord as far as what you can get. But also but because you know, we're so fortunate here that we're able to get so many of the players to be able to talk. Also, like, for example, Stacy would put in who she wants to interview, mm-hmm. or Dave put that in, and and it's, so it's up to the player or up to the Seahawks management who can go on. It's up there. to I mean, Seahawks PR, and it's not like uh-huh. they're they're holding anything back because again, it's like all players you know have to have the ability to talk. It's just a matter you know what's their access because again, it's like uh, sometimes they're tied up later in meetings. Uh, you know, they're, they're tied up with this and tied up with that. And so it's their availability. So, like, for example, you know, if, if it's, uh, you know, because, again, remember, they, they have to go out in the field and have a walkthrough and everything else. And some guys stay out there a little bit extra on the walkthrough. And until they come back in the locker room and get set, you know, they can't do the interview. So it's, it just takes, you know, a little bit of time. And, you know, then, then, you, then you just kind of follow it up and see what you can get. Okay. Well, I sure appreciate appreciate all your research on all the teams you do, and you have so much knowledge. So thank you, John. Hey, Joy, thank you so much. Eight, bye-bye. Okay, bye. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Cord in Lake Taps. Hey, Cord. How you doing, John? Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Cord. 
Thanks for calling. Uh, I wanted to start off by, you know, it was certainly a disappointment last night in the loss, but I really want to thank the Mariners. That, you know, it's been a long time since they've been this close at the end of the year, and it's made it really exciting for all of us Mariners fans. And I'm going to the game tonight, and we need a win. Yes. But I, what I'd like to know from you, how will it work out if, say, there's a three-way tie or a four-way tie? And what do the Mariners got to do? Maybe you talked about it earlier, but I didn't hear it. So well, I'm I mean, how things would yeah, what it, what it comes down to, and this this came from Gary Hill, and it's very complicated. But if there's a you know a three-way tie, they have to you know look at the records and all those different things, and then decide how the order is going to be. Because obviously, it's going to be a play-in type of game. You know, like for example, if it's going to be the Red Sox, then you know the, the Mariners then. And it, the, if the Red Sox choose to make it a one-game type of thing, then the uh, Mariners have to head out to Boston on the uh, as soon as to get there on Monday to be able to play that play-in game. But uh, it's still going to be a matter that uh, it's not just an automatic uh, rewarding of that uh, spot if there's going to be a tie. You, know, you have to kind of play it in. Got it. Okay. Well, we definitely... We... We have our fate in our own hands. You know, right, right. As I was saying earlier, really, really, really happy with how the Mariners are doing. I don't want to hear people complaining about not laying down a bunt last uh. night. These guys have fought so, so hard. The last few weeks have made it really exciting, and it reminds me a little bit of 95, so hopefully we'll get that same result, get in the playoffs and do something. But if not, it's been a great year. And, John, I just want to thank you for all you do. You're awesome in what you do, and uh, really enjoy listening to you. Thanks. So and, thanks of course, I mean, don't you, don't, don't you, doesn't it drive you crazy, you know, in a season where Scott's service has been so good in being able to get the, you know, last – uh, last inning wins and win close games and stuff like that. That now you know he's being he'll be criticized by one person. You know, it's like should have laid down a bunt. Bunting is fundamental. It's like come on, be serious. Exactly. They've been coming through in the late innings. You know, all year long. Mm-hmm. You know, closest in most most one one great games in the league. Right. Exactly. So, um. We'll get it tonight, we'll get it tomorrow, and we'll see where the chips fall, right? Yeah, and then just have to hope that uh, Boston gets a loss somewhere down the line here so that uh, you know it makes yep. it, gives them the chance to at least get the tie or you know if it's going to be one-way, two-way, or whatever, uh, three-way. I mean, it just gives them the opportunity to be able to do that. So it's, uh, yeah, but again, I'm glad to see that you're going to go to the game tonight. I mean, it's great to see that the fans are all out there. I mean, three sellouts. I mean, 44,000 last night. That's good. And, of course, these next two games are going to be so vital. And, of course, it's great to see the fans in the stands like this. Definitely. Uh, go go M's and go Nationals, right? Huh? Sounds good. Cord, thank you. All right. Thanks, John. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Ed in Helena. Hey, Ed. Morning, JC. How are you doing? This good. Week? How are you? Doing well, hanging out here in Montana, despite having 157 channels, can't seem to get the Mariners game, so that's disappointing. But that is. Uh, um, watching it on MLB.com, how do you see it playing out? Well, I mean, I mean, right now, I mean, it didn't work out last night, but they still have a good chance because they've got good pitching going up and, uh, and good pitching. Their bullpen's been great. I mean, they have a chance to win these next two. 
But, of course, I mean, it's irrelevant if Boston you know, wins their last two games against the Nationals because then they're going to be behind. But, again, they got a chance, and you know, nobody thought they were going to be this close. I certainly didn't. They um, are the hottest team in baseball over the last 13 or 14 games, as I'm sure you're following. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so what, is, what are they like? The a, Nationals. Yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're, they they just play such great baseball. And, again, it's like uh, the games are close. They're in them. They were able to get the key hits in most times except for last night and being able to get the wins. And here they had the hits. I mean, they had you know guys at first and third in that one inning and, of course, didn't get the uh, run, run in. And then they had uh, Kyle Seeger open up in the ninth with a double, nobody out, and didn't get him in. Right. Have you looked at like who's pitching for the Nationals the next two games to see what the likelihood that they're going to beat the Red Sox? That I, I, ha- that I that. have not. No, I've not seen who the Nationals are pitching. The Nationals aren't very good, unfortunately. No, they're terrible. Um, I mean, again, so but, that, but Baltimore was a 106-107 loss team, and Baltimore was able to get that win on Thursday that gave the Mariners a chance to at least get into the tie at that point You know, for the second wild card spot. Anything can happen. That's the great part about right. baseball right now. I mean, you, you just don't know. And, of course, I mean, from the Mariners' standpoint, going into the game tonight, they'll at least know what's going on because the Red Sox are playing an afternoon game. And so they'll know the results. They'll know about Toronto. And then it's a matter of, it's like, okay, and then you follow through and see where you go. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to watching it, John. Switching to the Seahawks is uh is Gabe Jackson healthy? Is he yeah. ready to go for tomorrow's game? Yeah, yeah he's fine. I mean, there's no, there's not and been there's not been an issue with him all season. He's fine. I thought he had some injury. Uh, he went out for a while in last da- week's da- game. Da- you're talking about Damian Lewis. Oh, okay. So Damian Lewis is ready to go as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, he's going to play. Shells be out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Damian had a groin injury, and so a couple weeks ago he had to kind of rotate in there. Uh, uh, and, you know, spend, you know, I think it was Jamarco Jones or something like that that had to uh, work with him. So it's like, uh, yeah, so he had to kind of alternate. But uh, no, and Damian, Damian's fine right now. So it's a matter they won't have Brandon Shell at right tackle. Uh, they they may take Cedric Abouye and get him off the uh, injured list today, so at least they'll have another tackle that's going to be available. But in the meantime, Jamarco Jones will play right tackle. Right. They don't seem to drop off too much when Jamarco Jones plays. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, but I think, I mean, Brandon Show I think, has done such a good job that they're better with him as opposed to not having him on the field. And, again, it's going to be three games that he's missed, you know, with that ankle injury, and you would think that, uh, you know, you would hope he gets back for the uh, Ram game on Thursday, but he may miss that one too. Yeah, indeed. I, I certainly hope that he is. Um, planning on being at that game, mm-hmm. John. I assume you're going to be at that game. Yes, yes. As long as it doesn't pour down rain. Because, yeah. again, my big thing is mm-hmm. if it's going to be pouring down rain, which it will not, is that, uh, you know, I don't want to bring something home and, you know, be, uh, you know, get cold and be sick for Pat and get her sick. So I, I, yeah. I, I just can't afford to do that. That's why, for example, you know, I stayed away from the, the, the Tennessee game, and it turned out that uh, the game was played dry, but then you know it started to pour right at the end of the game. But the forecast was it was going to pour through the entire game, and I just couldn't risk it. 
Yeah, I got you. What's going to happen in terms of improvement uh, in the defensive back category for the Seahawks? They need it. Yeah, I just have to think that they've got to make some kind of a change with Trey Flowers, whether it's going to be Sidney Jones or, you know, bless Austin or whoever to come in just to try to get a little bit of a different look because, I mean, you can see they're not syncing up with the linebackers. That's not working. I still think that D.J. Reed should be okay. Now he goes against his former team in the San Francisco 49ers. But, uh, you know, you know, like anything else, if you're struggling for two weeks and the same mistakes keep happening, then you got to make some changes. Yeah, no, absolutely. How come it didn't work out for the former 49ers? I'm blocking on his name. Is it Singleton or something like that that was on the team? He never seemed to get going. You're talking about And then they just let him go. Akella Witherspoon? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, Witherspoon. Yeah, well, what ended up happening is that I, I thought he was doing okay, but they didn't, and so they traded him to Pittsburgh. So he's in Pittsburgh right now. Yeah. Don't you kind of wish they would have hung on to him? I don't know, because, again, I didn't know what they didn't like about what he was doing on the field, but apparently they didn't. there was something they didn't like, and so they you know, decided, to, let's move on from him. Right. And that's roughly the same time they picked up Sidney Jones. So obviously they, mm-hmm. they feel better about Sidney Jones than they do uh, Akello Witherspoon, even though you know, he had a guaranteed contract of $4 million that they ended up trading. Yeah. I'd really like to see some more Sidney Jones. Yeah. I feel like he, I don't want to say he can play better than Trey Flowers. I don't want to speak that badly about Trey Flowers, but he's clearly struggling a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No question. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ed, thank you for the phone call. All right, John. Have okay. a good one. Thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN, our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby coming up next. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. It is time for our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so, Dave, tough loss for the Mariners last night, 2-1. to one. They had runners at first and third. Nobody out. Didn't drive them in. And, you know, Kyle Seeger opens up the ninth inning with a double. Nobody out. Didn't drive him in. And so it's like now they're still now uh, one game behind the Red Sox. And it's a matter. It's like, okay, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's can't can they, uh, you know, catch up and can the Red Sox lose? Well, they're still alive, John, yeah. but uh, and there's no question it was disappointing last night because uh, you, you had you had it in your in your power, just went out and, and uh, your season continues, whether it went right to a, a playoff game or went to a play-in game, and, and I think that that's going to be pretty demoralizing for a pretty young team like we've got here. So uh, we'll see how they bounce back. If they do bounce back from it, um, you really got a gift handed to you with the Red Sox losing last night to a Baltimore team that I think has lost like 106 or 107 mm-hmm. games. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, you, you keep hope alive, but um, it was obviously a very disappointing night. That having been said, it was a lot of fun seeing 44,000 people at the ballpark again. That had been about 20 years coming for, for that kind of a crowd in, in September, October, and uh, it was nice to see, and it would be nice to get into that habit again. Yeah, no question about it. And, of course, uh, you know, <clears throat> this team has been <clears throat> very good at being able to rebound. And, of course, uh, you know that the disappointments that they had from last night, they still got the good pitching. And, again, the bullpen has just been remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 they had it lined up yesterday. They had it the way they wanted it. And, and it was 
ironically, the problems that, that uh, they hadn't quite put behind them, but you know, this team had been offensively challenged throughout the year, and, and uh, it was during those some of those lean periods that they were really, really offensively challenged. But, it, you know, it kind of seemed like with Kelnick hitting the ball better, Ty France hitting the ball extremely well uh, over the last month or two, that that, that, had, that had been put behind them a little bit. And, and that's why it was so frustrating that they were unable to get a, a key hit last night in, in a situation where they flourished. Now, I think the other thing, too, and it didn't hurt Marco Gonzalez. He was able to use it. But mm-hmm. another thing that I wondered last night was how would the Mariners themselves respond to a crowd like that? That's not something that they've experienced before. Certainly not here in Seattle, not, not a crowd like that for them. So, you know, continue to make you a little more, a little too excited. And we've both often talked about in baseball, John, how you don't hit the ball better when you grip the bat tighter and swing harder. Um, so, you know, sometimes, you know, ha- having emotions near the service and being excited can can play against you. And it looks like it did it at the plate for the Mariners last night. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, Chris Flexen goes out tonight uh, to be able to start. And, uh, you know, they'll know going into the game what happens with Boston and Toronto and all those different things. And then, you know, we're down to two games and that's it. Well, then, then you get to the one thing that Major League Baseball does right, which is Sunday. And yeah. uh, if the Mariners are still alive Saturday, every game on Sunday starts at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that, that I think that I think that works out really, really well, and uh, it adds for some excitement. And let's just hope that the Mariners are still alive and and uh, they can they can have a little bit of a last day uh, last day excitement. But. Uh, that doesn't take anything away from what was a, a surprisingly, surprisingly good year, and yeah. and uh, which I'm sure is people very optimistic for the future. But as we've been warning all along, that you know you, nothing is guaranteed in this life, and and uh, we look at the San Diego Padres missing the playoffs this year as uh, as an example that nothing is guaranteed. So uh, they're still alive, there's still hope, and, and and we'll hope that they keep it alive through Sunday. Well, I'll tell you what, Jared Kelnick right now not only is playing so well, but he's also showing that he's got some leadership on this team. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. I, I think that he, he plays a lot of confidence. He's cocky. Uh, I think that can. there are ways that does not play well. There are ways that does play well, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's all about not showing up your teammates, playing hard, you know, just doing that. Everyone can kind of get behind that, and I think you saw that from him. I mean, you can see he's got a great swing that he's – that he's, uh, as Mike Blowers has so expertly explained over the past couple of weeks, that he's finally gotten control over and 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 uh, is controlled where his shoulder is and isn't so helpless against left-handers anymore. And you can see why he was such a top prospect with the Mets. And and um, you you're already feeling good about that deal, even though you hadn't had a huge payoff from it from uh, Sheffield and those other guys left. But um, what, what Kalnick looks like, what you got going into the future, I mean, it's just it just looks great. He does look like, like you said, John, a guy who's not only going to be a key player for you, but a, a guy who's going to be a leader on the field for you. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and he just is doing such a great job. At, uh, I mean, you gotta got to like that. And, of course, I mean, really, I mean, you go up and down the lineup. I mean, J.P. Crawford has just been unbelievable how good he's been. Well, talk about leadership. I mean, he, he said, and, and the guys, you know, all kind of agree that he, he became the leader on the team this year. And this was a guy, I think you said at the start of the year, you know, you're going to spend money on free agency next year. What were you going to be looking at? And you, the first thing you would, you would have said was, well, there's this incredible class of shortstops that are, that are playing in Major League Baseball right now, and a bunch are going to be available in free agency. And that would be where you'd spend your money. And I think it took about half this year to realize you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You've actually got an elite shortstop right here, so I thought he was—he uh, was. This development was just outstanding, just outstanding. And and yes, I do feel like they've got the shortstop for the future right here with him, and they can look elsewhere to spend their dollars next year. Yeah, what, what I mean, because obviously, you know, I don't know 
what they're going to do with Kyle Seeger. You know, he's going to make, what, $20 million in that. And my position is pay him because he's so valuable to this team. But I don't know if they're going to do that. And obviously, at some point, they'll do something long-term with Mitch Hanniger. But what about, you say, Kikuchi? Because, again, I mean, here it is, last week of the season, and they, uh, you know, you're know, you fighting for the playoffs. It's so important, and you don't pitch him. Well, that kind of answers your question in a way right there. I mean, the, yeah. you're obviously not going to give him a $40 million or whatever it was extension. I mean, you might put yourself in a position where he can opt for a one-year deal, which is worth about 12 or $13 million, and that might be something you, you, you'd, be willing to, you'd be willing to risk. But, you know, it, it completely changed for him, completely changed over the, over the first half of the season when he was an all-star, for crying out loud, and to the fact to the end of the season when, when they could not trust him for a key start Mm-hmm. You know, in 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 uh, in this part of the season. So, uh, yeah, it, it does not. They're certainly not going to spend the big money on him. I don't know that he's necessarily gone for for good, but it wouldn't be a surprise if he wasn't here. I, I think that that the thing that that might get them wanting to at least you know explore doing the one year deal is the fact that he was an all star. You know, that the first half of the year he did show what he could do. So. It's frustrating when you're relying on potential, but but when you've seen a guy show it at the major league level, it's tough to forget that he has that. Now, as, as for Kyle Seeger, I think that, um, unfortunately, he's probably played his last game as a Mariner. I think that you, you like Abraham Toro for that position, at least in the short run. And um, I, I just I just get the feeling that they're going to move on from Seeger, who had a absolutely great Mariner career and an absolutely great year this year. Um, but um, and I, look, I'm I'm just speculating. I got no inside mm-hmm. information on this at all. But my my hunch is that that he's played his last game as a Mariner. Yeah, probably so. Which of course is sad, but hey, it's a reality. And of course, you know, you would have to think that the money they're saving if they don't bring uh, Seager back has to go into a top level starting pitcher that can can be you know a number one guy if you're going to be making the playoffs. Or a number two guy. You may have a number one in Marco. He was yeah. <clears throat> he was very good last night and, and was very good second half of this year and was extremely good, obviously, last year. So, you know, a, a guy to pair up with him, yes, I do think that's that's probably where you're looking first and foremost to spend your free agent dollars, although I, I hate those 10-year contracts for pitchers. Maybe they can yeah. avoid something like that. But, no, I I agree with you, John. I mean, that that's the spot you're looking at uh, first and foremost is, is, I think, you know, if you're looking at this team and – looking at what you've got on the farm system coming up and you do have some pitching coming too i mean that, that's the that's the that's worth keeping in mind as well you do have some young pitching coming but i would think another another top guy at the top of the rotation would be would be something you'd, you'd certainly look into mm-hmm. no doubt and <clears throat> i would have to think that they've got to see if they can find a way to get tyler anderson back i agree i mean and they, and they can make him an offer mm-hmm. it's just that simple he he did everything that they, they were looking for. I mean, he's not going to be a $25 million a year guy, but I think that he definitely has shown that, that he fits into that rotation. And with Scott Service coming back and, and obviously indicating that he likes him, I would expect that they will make an offer for him, and I would expect that he would be back. Yeah, no question about it. Meanwhile, the uh, Seahawks in trouble going against San Francisco with their defense. What do you see happening there? Boy, oh boy, uh, it's it's is a strange, strange days for the Seahawks to be in there. Their defense just uh, was absolutely you know, abominable last week against Minnesota. Um, you know, the offense didn't do many favors late in the second half, but but the defense couldn't do anything. And you've got a San Francisco team that that you know it's it, it's weird, John. This this game with, with two teams that have been good defensive teams. Yeah. This looks like a like an offensive shootout this week uh, because of the problems that both teams are having on the back end in particular. But um, 
Yeah, this is a big one for the Seahawks, uh, and you know, with the Rams coming after this one, this is the sort of games that that Pete Carroll has kind of made his hay on over the years. They've they've managed to come up big in in games like this, and and uh, that's what they're going to have to try and do in this circumstance. Uh, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I'm not sure what what they're going to do that that's going to change things for them on on defense in just a week. I mean. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I, I, you know, Jamal Adams had had let him in tackles last week, didn't he, John? Mm-hmm. Eleven or twelve, and and I, I hate to say it, but I mean, it did not seem like it, they were impact not not in a single impactful play. And uh, Carlos Dunlop has not been able to, to 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 shake free and and apply pressure like they like they were counting on it. So I mean, they've got to they got to figure out ways for their those two defensive players who who are who are their big play guys to to be their big play guys again. And um, you know, try and get some turnovers. Uh, you know, that, that's the easiest way to do it. And and uh, just try and develop some confidence. You know, having a veteran like Bobby Wagner obviously helps you. You know, he's not going to he's not going to fall apart or anything like that. So you've got some experience there. But, you know, this is this is a critical game. Obviously, it goes without saying uh, the Rams game the next week is the same thing. And, and um, they got a lot of questions to answer. And, and uh, Pete Carroll's crews have been up to the challenge in the past. Uh, very curious to see what happens on Sunday, though. No doubt. College football today, of course, uh, <clears throat> Washington takes on Oregon State. Have they turned their season around? I don't know. I mean, you know, it was they, they're they 2-2 two and two now. They, yeah. They've gotten a couple wins, a good win against a, a good Cal team. But Oregon State put 46 on USC last week and beat them at USC. I mean, I cannot imagine how sky high that program is. So this will be a great uh, test for for Donovan's uh, offense, and 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 we'll see if the Huskies, you know, are in a bounce back mode. And and for uh, for the Cougars, they got a very tough matchup with the aforementioned Cal team, who who is very very talented and and off a very very disappointing loss to Washington. I think they've got their their hands full. But I, I got to admit, I, I'm I'm fascinated by the Washington Oregon State game. I mean, Oregon State is either a lot better than we thought. Or, um, or they just caught USC, you know, it, it, the way Washington State should have caught them two weeks ago. Um, we'll see. But uh, I, I think I think Washington Oregon State is going to be a terrific game. I, I really do think it's going to be a terrific game, and and I, I think it's a toss up, just like the odds makers. Yeah, um, for Washington State, how much trouble do you think the unvaccinated head coach is as far as his huh. future? Sixteen days and counting, I think, John, yeah. isn't it? October the 18th, the deadline. I mean. Yeah. I, 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 I don't see how Washington State's done anything but put themselves in a situation where they've got to they've got to make a move. Uh, you know that their president has been unsparing in his in his comments about this. So um, you know it's a limbo situation. And it's obviously a very difficult situation for everyone involved with the Cougars, and and it's it's too bad, but it's 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 overshadowing things, and it's going to get just bigger as as time goes on, unless they can figure out something here in the next week or so. Exactly. So what's on the agenda for the Graz? Uh, we're going to try and uh, boot the Mariners home at the same time, uh, turn the Seahawks around. You think we can do it? Um, we'll see. I mean, uh, I think, you know, the Mariners have a good chance of bouncing back, and I do think the Seahawks have a chance of bouncing back, but it's not going to be easy. Never is, John. Nope, Never it is. is. But it's always easy talking to uh, the Gras. It's, uh, it's our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Dave, thanks for joining us. Thank you, John. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. And our thanks to Matt Nelson for running the show. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. And so, uh, Matt, what do we have on the line right now? Let's go to William in Pennsylvania. Hey, William. 
William, are you there? William? Let's go to Wheat in Tacoma. Hey, Wheat. Uh, you there we are, Wheat. John, yeah. uh, hey, you know what? we got to pick a side. You know you have to, right? And yeah. what we saw Sunday night, 515, in the state of Massachusetts. Who you got, fans? Belichick or Tom Brady? I'm so, going with Tom Brady right that, now. That's the game, John. Hey, come on, John. That's the game. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. I'm bypassing everything else. I, I don't. That, that's my game. What do you think, John? Come on, talk to me, dude. I'm going with Tom Brady. I mean, right now, how do you go against him? Because, again, went to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, you know, he moves on from New England. New England's defense isn't as good as it normally is. And, uh, you know, uh, Gronk's not going to be able to play. He didn't even make the trip to uh, New England, so they won't have him a tight end. But they're still talented at the wide receiver position. They still have Cameron Brait at uh, tight end. So I, I, I right now lean into again. You've got Tom Brady going against the rookie quarterback and Mac Jones. You know, John, another thing, I, I haven't seen anything on New England. I haven't uh, just a couple highlights. So, you know, I don't know anything about New England, where they're at right now on offense or defense. Mm-hmm. I don't know really anything about them. Hey, John, another thing. How about, you know, how you can't. Did I see on the news there that it's 58 yards and then he passes Drew Brees? Do you know anything about that, John? No, repeat that again. It's like. Uh, it, it, I thought I saw uh, on the ticker tape that uh, 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 Tom Brady needs 58 yards yeah. to pass Tom Brady. Uh, to to, tr- to, to pass, pass Drew Brees. Brees. Yeah, yeah. That, that's true. Holy mackerel. Man. I, hey, John, I mean, what are the odds if he does it there in his old hometown? Well, what, do you think he's going to throw for less than 58 yards in a game? <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> oh, John, you that's it, John. Me and you were going to arm wrestle. You're, you, you've never talked to me that way, John. Ever. Oh, yeah. Man, it's like, it. yeah, you, so you, so, yeah. So it's like, I mean, you know, it's like, and, and the, the thing is, what they haven't figured out yet is how to get that celebration going because you know it's going to happen. I know. And so it's like, I know. Uh, that's, man, what, that's another thing that just to add to this whole game, I'm like, mm-hmm. you got to be kidding me. He looks. I, I couldn't believe when I saw that. I'm like, there's just no way that he only needs 58 yards, and he, you know, might do it there. And I'm like, holy mackerel! Just to add to, yeah, the whole, you know, you, you there's you, you don't you don't know what's gonna how people are gonna react in this and that. You don't. You no, know? you don't. I mean, for if it was me, yeah, I'd be cheering and cheering it. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course. I, I'm not a Patriot fan or anything like that, but yeah. I still would be checked out. That's the game I can't wait for, John. That's pretty much what I got. Uh, okay. Have a nice weekend, John. Thanks for Hey, we thank you. Let's go to Commando Dave. David, how are you? Hey, John Clayton. Damn it. It's great to be back on the John Clayton Show after coming off a Montana Grizzlies beat the Huskies on opening day in Husky Stadium, three-week bender. And, John Clayton, if you heard Demarcus Russell's purple drink, Pack the Punch, Mm-hmm. Would you take a sip of Yuggies? Shout out to Matt DMC Nelson for getting me on the air of 710 Cairo so I can bring it to the show. And while I'm giving shout outs to John Clayton, let me give one to the Sports Bar Network, places like Time Out L House and Federal Way, Buckley's in Belltown, and the Old Country Bar in Ballard, formerly Fitzgerald's. And John Clayton, I may or may not have been joking about the bender being three weeks, but there's nothing funny about the Washington Huskies so far this season. The team that feels still picked to win the conference 
is a team we still don't know the true identity of. Mm-hmm. Had they just pounded Montana into the turf of Husky Stadium, gone out to Michigan and competed with the Wolverines, come home and rang the siren all day as they did against Arkansas State, they would look like the Washington football Huskies. And then against Cal last week, I saw a game that the Huskies pretty much had wrapped up come unraveled leading to overtime. But in OT, they won with a trademark Husky defensive play with a big hit at the goal line, causing a fumble to seal the deal. And tonight in Corvallis, the Dodgers are going up against Oregon State, a team feeling like giant killers after beating the Trojans in the Coliseum. And like DeGrasse just said, we'll see if they're for real. I'll just, I'll just say if the Huskies pound the Beavers into the turf, of Regis Stadium, my blood pressure will uh, start going down. Moving to the Seahawks real quick, John Clayton. Uh, shout out to one of my favorite callers, Rick in Silver Lake. I, I trust he knows I'm just busting his chops for fun on that other thing. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, he's the voice of reason for Seahawks fans like me, and today was no different. I was talking about the Huskies' identity, but the uh, Hawks inexplicably look like a completely different team going into week four than they seem to be in week one. And already we see how hard it is, John Clayton, to keep pace in the NFC West. The Cardinals and the Rams are going to duke it out tomorrow for the top spot, but the Seahawks got to beat the 49ers just to break even with them for last place at the quarter season mark. Uh, the Rams are on deck coming up. Yeah. So, hot fans, buckle up because this ride is going to get rough. My best to Mrs. Clayton. Go Huskies. B-Dogs. Go Seahawks. Talk and roll. Talk to John Clayton. Okay, Commando, thank you, and to thank everybody for the phone calls today. Our thanks again to Matt Nelson. Coming up next, Seattle Sports Saturday. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle.